Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. again and the gin has just made that all evaporate well hello and welcome to drunk dish where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process this is episode number 33 Part one, ooh, ooh. Uh, we're, we'll be discussing how the United States DP'd the fuck out of Hawaii. <laughs> um, you know, not everyone's down for the, the DP, and I don't think Hawaii was. So we're going to talk about that. When it's uh, consensual, it's one thing. If it's consensual, I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm Melissa. I'm Amy. <laughs> I'm Kate. <laughs> One of us has already been drinking, and for once, it's not me. <laughs> oh, hi, pretty, guys. Pretty crazy. Uh, I got pretty, pretty drunk last night, and then pretty drunk Friday when Kate and I watched. Oh my god! Highlight <laughs> and uh, I'm very did a, jealous. And did a drinking game during it, and I struggled. Through I the think, end of that movie. <laughs> yeah. I think the drinking game only lasted for me, like, for the first, like, after, I don't know, 20 minutes, I was yeah. fucking wasted. Well, and I had two <laughs> drinks because I had my, 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 like, insulated cup that had wine in it. And then I also had my glass that I sent you guys with my, uh, just the ice cube and my rosé gin. Yeah. So. No. Anyway, so I did not start early today because I was like, your girl needs a break. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. Kate, what is our question? Okay, question. Um, what is the first thing you can remember cooking? Like, not <clears throat> hot dogs in the microwave or, you know... Mm-hmm. Blue box mac and cheese, but like blue, either... box, blue box mac and mac and cheese counts. I don't it's know if yeah, that's the real appliance. You have to like, like, yeah, you have to use the stove and you got to measure stuff out. I guess, but I mean, like milk I, and butter. I mean, more like with either with a recipe, like uh-huh. where you had to like look something up and you, you know, specifically were trying to cook something, or maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Maybe you saw some things in the refrigerator and you thought, I'm just going to toss all this shit to get like, I don't know. So, okay. If it's blue box mac and cheese, I'll give you a pass and that's fine. It's but, not mine. I was just, okay. I just think it counts. Um, like, I think I have t- kind of two. So my first like cooking memory without an adult was um, my brother and I were home alone one weekend morning and he said he was going to make us pancakes why is it always pancakes? Um, I think <laughs> they're easy. They seem easy anyway. They're not. That's the thing. Uh, is they're not. Yep. <laughs> didn't go well. So, like I helped with that, and then he the heat was so high um, that he ended up making what he dubbed Cajun pancakes because he was trying to 
get me to think that they were like on purpose. They were completely black on the outside from being burnt. And then when you cut into them, they were completely liquid in the middle. That's that's a hard line. I mean, that's a good spin. That's a good spin. Had them on there for like one minute. I wonder if he's still listening. Brother, if you're still listening, um, <laughs> let me know if you remember that and if that's actually how it went. I swear to God, that's what happened. And I, I think it was you. I would have been pretty young. But yeah, I, I do remember him being like, oh, they're fine. Just eat them. They're Cajun. And he used to pull that <laughs> shit all the time. Eric, if you're listening, I'm on to you. He tried to tell me once that a dead snake was hibernating. <gasps> well, he, that, he was just trying he to put it in mm-hmm. the No, he put it in the freezer. Oh, and said it was just sleeping. And then obviously it was not sleeping. It was dead. But (laughs) so um, that's such a little my brother lied to me, too. I mean, lied to me, too, about everything. Your brother's older, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how he's nine years older than me. He lied to me about the stupidest things, though, because I was a picky eater. So he would like he'd be like, you know, Amy, the blueberry muffins that you made which were like from a package and weren't with real blueberries it was like the imitation blueberries he's like they have real blueberries in them and i'd be like ew because i hated blueberries (laughs) (laughs) so he would lie to me about shit yeah i mean that's weird on both sides yeah i don't even know where to start unpacking that but the first thing i remember cooking i was probably like eight and i don't know if it was in a, I don't really remember if it was in a cookbook or what, but I made like an orange pound cake. Holy shit. Mm, and I that's... remember it being good. Yeah. Um, but like, I think I made it completely. I was, I was at home by myself a lot then because eight was when my brother moved out and went and moved in with his dad. Mm-hmm. So like I was by myself a lot. So I was probably just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Just going to cook this solid cake. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. I, I remember it being good. It might not have been a child's palate. I mean, Who fucking knows? Yeah. Right. When you're right. eight, it's food. It's got sugar. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's got yeah. sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think. I I definitely remember a dinner because, again, I was a very picky eater where my, my poor mother was like, I'm not cooking you a second fucking meal. You can either eat what I made or cook something yourself. And I was like, Been I there. will cook something myself. Yeah, um, get it. Yeah. But so it was like I started off with like convenience foods like blue box mac and cheese and like frozen pizza and stuff, which isn't like you aren't cooking. You know what I mean? Like you're you're just right. Putting together whatever. Um, the first thing I made by myself completely from scratch was cookies. I really loved baking. Um, I was like. I was like the fat kid in my class. Um, I would like always bring in baked goods and I would just eat and eat and eat and eat, and eat them. Like I was like a little balloon like as a child because I never I ate. Pictures of you when veggies. you were little and you were not mm-hmm. the fat kid. I I, I mean, was. It's, hard, it's fine. Like it, well, it's I also have dumb, like. But I just also don't think. I, you were a little, you were a little chubber. I was, I was chubby yeah, and I was very horrible. tall. Like, I was mm. very tall. Yeah, you're an Amazon. So I towered, like, at, in, like, yeah. kindergarten and first grade. Like, I would tower over everyone, and I was chubby. So I was, yeah. I was like, definitely the biggest the kid big in my kid. class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so yeah so i learned how to bake cookies because like i love sweets and my mom was at a point where she was like i'm not buying any more sweets i'm not making any more sweets and i was like i will do it myself (laughs) i want cookies um and i also so i made these like weird cookies i have this betty crocker cookbook that i inherited from my mom it's from like it's probably from the early 70s um and it's got like just like basic recipes it's like everything that like you would need to know as like a new young housewife in the right. 1970s mm-hmm. and it had the this weird cookie recipe that was like out of these world cookies or moon cookies or something like that but they were like balls like it reminds me as an adult of that SNL skit, like sweaty balls, like because they were that just size that up today. Shape. That's funny. <laughs> but they were like that. But they were they were delicious, delicious, delicious and dish, sweet. right? Yeah, that's their radio show. Yeah, the yeah. Delicious dish. I'm yeah. pointing at Kate. Kate can't tell that I'm pointing at her. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's delicious, delicious <laughs> dish. Yeah, yes. I can't um, wait to get these balls in my mouth. <laughs> that's how Sorry, I felt. <laughs> and then the other thing, the other thing is I I learned how to make crepes very early. Holy That's shit. wild. I've never been able to make a successful no, crepe. Me either. Like, but they're not made from scratch. They're made with Jiffy Mix. You just make them really okay. thin, or, use, or is the batter use, thinner? You use extra milk in the uh-huh. batter, and then when you cook them, you have to cook them in a cast iron pan and use both butter and oil. cheap vegetable oil. <laughs> at this time so it don't stick to the pan mm. so it was like these like janky french canadian not real crepes crepes love it i so, love that yeah so much. those are those are my answers how about you kate so uh, mine is also kind of twofold the first thing i remember cooking um my grandmother for valentine's day one year gave um sent me a valentine's card and it was a strawberry shortcake branded strawberry shortcake valentine's day card and strawberry shortcake. oh my god strawberry shortcake is the cutest and in this card was a recipe for a strawberry cake that was um you had to make it you it was made out of and i i know some place i still have the this little recipe it's like a little laminated recipe card it's probably filthy and disgusting because we made it every single year you know amy you just said you brought like baked goods into like class i was for the valentine's party i was always making this freaking cake because it was um it was like a white box cake mix and mm-hmm. jello and strawberry like frozen strawberries and i don't know there's probably some other things but um but you made it in a square cake pan and a round cake pan and then you cut the round one in half and you put it on the two sides of the square cake and it made it a heart and so it was a heart-shaped strawberry cake yeah it was the freaking cutest thing (laughs) kate can see our faces we're making the yeah yeah so like i i would say i probably got it either for the valentine's when i was in first grade or second grade because i clearly remember making this cake like every single valentine's for up probably until seventh grade you know like all the way through um so that but I, I'm sure I didn't make it alone. I'm sure my mom helped me or my grandmother yeah. helped me. But that's like a very clear early 
cooking, baking thing. Um, but then <laughs> the thing that I remember making by myself was uh, coming home from school one day and there was leftover shrimp in the fridge um, for whatever reason. And mm -hmm. my brain, and I think this was probably like fourth grade. So my mm -hmm. palate was very well developed at this point. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, uh, okay, there's leftover shrimp in the fridge. And at the time it would have been like these, like the little teeny tiny baby shrimp, like the little main tiny, tiny, not like the ones that you get at the grocery store, but these came from like an actual fish market or off of a fish boat or, you know, um, the back of a truck someplace that my grandfather New would England, have them fell off. New England. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's like, oh, the fish truck is parked in the parking lot today. Like we should go get some fish. Um, so the thing about those little tiny shrimp is they get super chewy when they're overcooked, right? So they're like mm -hmm. already cooked. <laughs> So here I am. I decide, okay, what, what things taste good with shrimp? So I'm going to put garlic. Sure. Somehow I figured out how to like smash garlic and put it in the, and butter in the frying pan. And I clearly remember using my grandmother's cast iron pan for this for, mm -hmm. because what I, why not? You know, right? Like, yeah, of course you're going to use cast iron to saute already cooked seafood why would you not do that and then um i was like oh well when it's shrimp we always have lemon with it so i'm gonna squeeze some lemon in here right so and so then this was a young kate being real creative yeah oh, yeah well, right yeah. right and so Fucking somewhere Gordon ramsay up in along, there <laughs> somewhere in this in this brilliant i'm sure it was on like just like your brother and his torched um Cajun. Yeah, yes. Cajun. So this was Cajun shrimp because like I am sure that they were it was on like high because I wanted it fast. Right. And that's how you do it. Um, so somewhere how somehow uh, Worcestershire sauce got added in. And yep. Mm -hmm, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Follow me. And then Parmesan cheese because it was my favorite favorite condiment you know like Sol actually, I mean solid reasoning for a child favorite yes. food group <laughs> Parmesan cheese. Right. So um this was horrid. It was like, I don't know, like, usually you're like, ooh, salty and cheesy and, you know, sweet. And I, I like all these flavors separately. Of course right. I'll I like love all together. of these things. Yeah. It was, it, I could have never cooked again after having this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because it was just so, so, so. And I think I, I think my grandmother was very kind and was probably like, so what are you? Okay. You're going to do, okay. Oh, okay, you're going to put all those things in there. Well, that's your choice. And, um, but I think it was very much like, now you have to eat that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yep. That's, that's my first, I'm, it was, I still am haunted by yeah. little chewy, you went hard, weird, yeah. Mm -hmm. You went, you went for it though. I appreciate oh, yeah, did. No, yeah. Oh did. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. 110% to that dish. <laughs> yeah. It's young like Kate right there. All the good things. Uh, yeah. Just not good together. So, mm. so Melissa, <laughs> what are we drinking? <laughs> Me. Uh, first, you, I know you guys were talking about it a little bit before I got here, but what, what are you guys drinking? Amy, I know you're drinking something in a giant, in your giant wine glass. And it's very red. Yeah, I am having a Minute Made Fruit Punch. Ooh. With Ooh. Tangare gin. 
mm-hmm. with uh-huh. Sprite. All mixed together. Not mixed well. Um, <laughs> okay. There's definitely like a point where I'm drinking. I'm like, this is the mostly gin part. Um, <laughs> it's layered. It's layered. It's, yeah. it's, I'm hitting yeah. layers. That's supposed to be, but that's okay. Uh, yes, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Those three nice. things mixed together. It had lots of ice. It all melted. Hopefully that will help yeah. with my hangover tomorrow. Mine is quickly melting. Oh, no. Kate, what are you drinking? Um, it, so I just have some um, iced tea with that's like, you know, sweet iced tea with mm-hmm. lemon and um, some lime vodka that I had left over. Yeah, it's not good, actually. It's oh, really? A- not a good i mean it's fine it's you know what you should do with the lime vodka if what? you can get them from the grocery store you should buy those freeze pops then get them like halfway frozen or mostly oh. frozen and use those as ice cubes in the lime vodka that's a good idea that's a that's Maybe. that's so proud of herself <laughs> that's a good idea i also have some frozen cherries so i might like Ooh, throw that in yeah Ooh, oh wait yeah. frozen fruit's always good just throw that shit in yeah. yep very I mean, this cool. is fine it's it's passable, but it's probably time for me to actually venture out to the alcohol store because mm. there's not, not a lot to choose from. Like people in other states whose grocery stores can do like real alcohol. Like mm. when I lived in Minneapolis, we like I could order through the Target app or Target bought some shopping app. I can't remember what it is. Shipped or something. Shipped. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, we signed shipped. up for it. We signed up for it after I visited you. And then we had the worst experience and we stopped oh, no. using it. And I just got it like message the other day that's like, your ship is going to renew. And I was like, fucking what? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I had to re-download oh, no. the app just to go. Ours like never had anything. It. And one time my order just never came. And I was at that's home by that. myself. So I ended up not having dinner. So that was cool. Um, but I think that comes from the fact that we live kind of in a yeah and a, not a great area state. for deliveries yeah it was great right. living in an urban area because there yeah. was like a million places to choose from but like there because target had a liquor store like the target near us had a liquor store yeah i went it was fucking amazing kate can, i can you imagine how great no. is target and then uh, <laughs> there's a liquor store attached to it and yeah, it was like a I'm, nice liquor store like I'm, we walked in and i just stood there for a second i think amy was like are you <laughs> Are you gonna like come in? And I was just like, ah. yeah, I'm just having a moment. I'm just. It wasn't like the moment. liquor stores in like over the border in Massachusetts where you're like, no. oh, this is like. It wasn't janky at all. Yeah, it, it was. It was, it was nice. nice. Yeah, but we could order liquor through the shipped app. We you, just had to show ID when. Yeah, when some, it arrived. Some yeah. of the liquor stores around here are doing curbside, but I haven't mm-hmm. done it, so I don't know yeah how but like the one by my house that we go to which is the big highway one um Mm -hmm. they do last time i was there i saw they had to sign up that they do like pick up or whatever nice that's helpful i really like to look at all the bottles and stuff yeah yeah i go in anyways but anyways (sighs) so i mean we're talking about hawaii so Mm -hmm. i mean i really only had one choice of beverage it's got to be a blue hawaii right Right. Mm -hmm. it's got to be it's gotta blue be. Hawaii or blue Hawaiian. Two different drinks. I've heard both. Oh, oh okay. What? Yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. All right. So um, so the blue Hawaii, I have I've lost the foam. The foam comes from the pineapple juice when you shake it, and I just got water on my laptop. Let's not oh. let's not do that. Oh, please don't. 
I got a chicken on my laptop earlier, so. Oh, like an actual live chicken. I mean, Albie stands on my laptop all the time, so that's fine. So, uh, Blue Hawaii is three-quarter ounce vodka, three-quarter ounce light rum, half an ounce of blue curacao. Jesus Christ. Three ounces of pineapple juice. And then the traditional recipe calls for one ounce sweet and sour. Mm -hmm. But don't fucking we all know how i feel about sweet and sour mix do not go to the fucking store and buy sweet and sour mix buy some lemons buy some limes and then you make a simple syrup with lemon and lime and that's sour mix so that's what i did here i did it's um like because you're fancy well yeah i guess i mean it's just it's just lemon lime and simple syrup really she's a purist no, you guys know damn well that sour mix is gross. It tastes it's, like a basement. Your, yeah. We will There's never some... complain about your booze drinks that have... Yeah, they're delicious. It, it's your, definitely superior. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just saying some people need the expedience of that. No, that's true. That's fine. <laughs> that's I would all. argue that's just don't... Saying. I would argue then just don't have a drink that needs lemon and lime in it. <clears throat> okay. I bet because I get I get um, mouth ulcers with a lot of citrus. So I've actually mm-hmm. been trying to stay away from lemon and lime. Um, but my favorite and pineapple pineapple is really bad for that, oh. um, especially fresh pineapple. Mm-hmm. So I stay away from it. So I've been really trying to find drinks that are just stirred drinks that don't have um, lemon and lime in them at all. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I could use sweet and sour mix and it would. Like not have the same effect because it's not fresh. Hmm. But is it citri- but is it citric acid? Because I assume, but I don't actually know. And honestly, it's moot because I'm not fucking buying sweet and sour mix. Right. So, yeah. anyways, so um, you're gonna add all those ingredients to a shaker with ice, just like normal. Shake it up, and then you're going to pour it into a glass filled with either crush or pebble ice. Oh. Um, alternatively you can also blend it and then just pour it straight into a glass without ice because it'll all be like blended together um and then traditionally you want a pineapple wedge and a little like tiki umbrella attached to it but i didn't have any of those but i'm gonna i've been waiting to like sip this this whole time it's just leaking everywhere because of the condensation it looks gorgeous and delicious so beautiful yeah it looks so refreshing I love tiki, but it's problematic, which we're going to talk about in a minute. (laughs) Yep. So the Blue Hawaii, like I said, you don't want to confuse it with the Blue Hawaiian. So the Blue Hawaiian was invented sometime after the Blue Hawaii, and it subs out um, the vodka, I believe, for either a coconut liqueur or cream of coconut. So like um, it's also known as a swimming pool. So those are like they, the they're, less appetizing name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but they're it's really pretty, like because it's this kind of aquamarine color, but then it gets like cloudy Creamy. because of the cream of coconut, and it's really gorgeous. So I'm sure that is absolutely delicious as well. But that is not this. Um, so this was invented in 1957 um by a famous bartender, Harry Yee. Um, he was the bartender at the Hilton Hawaiian village in Waikiki, Hawaii. Um, this essentially came about because someone from bowls, so bowls, blue carousel, you know, they have the blue carousel, orange carousel, all of that. Um, they're a Dutch distillery. They actually went to Yi and said, Hey, can you, we have this new blue carousel. Can you make a drink to kind of highlight it's amazing blue color and then it's fun kind of like citrus orange and sweet flavors um 
So obviously this is what he came up with. It the name a lot of people think the name come from the Elvis Presley movie um or the Elvis Presley song, but those came out later. Okay. Um oh. the movie is actually based on a song written by Leo Robin and that came from Bing Crosby's 1937 film Waikiki Wedding. So this drink is actually named after that song. Oh. Cool. No yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, so Harry Yee, along with a lot of bars like Trader Vic, um, did a lot to popularize this kind of like faux Hawaiian tiki culture, um, both in Hawaii and on the mainland. Uh, and this, this happened right after, um, oh no, I didn't write down the word when they became, they got statehood essentially. Um, so Americans really saw Hawaii as just like a playground for rich people to go, um, which was pretty much centralized on Waikiki. Like it hadn't spread out to the other islands yet because, you know, like people already fucking live there uh, and like have ways of going about their lives and stuff. Um, But uh, the issue with Tiki, it's, it's very much like everything that white Americans hold dear and that it was built entirely on the cultural appropriation of Pacific Islanders. Um, (laughs) which is great. Uh, so like I said, I love Tiki. I'm not going to go much into this at all just because it, it could really be a whole thing. And I'm not, I'm not super, um, I'm not the appropriate person to really like give it as deep a dive, but Tiki, obviously, um, there are certain things that are taken from Pacific Islander and Polynesian culture, especially when you go to these like Tiki bars. They have a lot of iconography of Polynesian gods. I mean, Polynesian gods made into freaking like Tiki glasses, which I mean, you know, a hardcore Christian, yeah, yeah, a hardcore Christian probably wouldn't love it if you were drinking liquor out of the head of Jesus. I mean, I guarantee there are Jesus tiki cups. I think that's really cool, though. No, I do, too. But I'm saying like a <laughs> hardcore Christian. I'm not Christian, so I don't count. Yeah. Um, would be like what the, that's not that's not what he's for. Um, so there's a really good um, article uh, from the L.A. Times called Tiki Bars are built on cultural cultural appropriation and colonial nostalgia where's the reckoning? Um, It has a really good quote in it kind of just at the end of the article um, that kind of just asks a question of us. uh, And it's how do we honor its real contributions to mixology while resisting the parts that dishonor indigenous people, misuse their iconography and exploit their sacred traditions, which is just something to think about. Again, uh, Tiki itself is amazing. I love Tiki drinks. I love the power of a Tiki drink to make you feel like you're on vacation, even when you're like sitting in your fucking, what is it? 85 degree (laughs) apartment, which if you can hear my fan, I'm sorry. I am not fucking shutting it off. (laughs) I can't hear it. Um, You can like hear my children. It's fine. A little bit. That's fine. (laughs) I mean, you have a life. How dare you, Amy? Um, And then there's another article called The Real and the Fake Polynesian Culture and How We Perceive It. Um, So when in 10 years, when I get around to posting this episode to the blog, um, I'll include those links for us to go take a peek, um, give them a little bit of a read, kind of understand where Tiki comes from and the problems it has and how to enjoy Tiki while not being a shitty person. Being a little bit respectful. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are there are a few, and I'm blanking on her name right now, but there's a woman that wrote a book all about Tiki and her take on it, and she is a Pacific Islander, so she's able to, I'm going to have to look that up, and I'll include that in the blog as well, um, cool. give you kind of a more clear view of what's okay and what's not. Um, and I think probably after Amy tells us all about Hawaii, I'm probably going to even be more on the side that we probably shouldn't be. Uh, stripping traditions away from indigenous uh, people and using them for our fucking uh, cocktail <clears throat> bars. Yeah. So yeah, that's my drink. And it's delicious. <laughs> it's really nice. good. It's really well balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, it. I mean, it's like every tiki drink. It's got pineapple juice in it. It reminds me a lot of a Mai Tai, which is like delicious. delicious. Yeah. I feel like any like tropical drink just like it has this ability, especially as New Englanders, where we have like a finite summer, like where yeah. like there is a def- like already it's not even the end of August yet. And I know it's it's gotten warmer the past couple of days, but like last week, it just felt like fall up it was where perfect. I am. Last week was. Yeah. The, the, the disgusting week. thing is it, it was still hot last week. It just wasn't fucking 90 degrees right. with 97 percent humidity because right. the right. planet is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like. But it was lovely. But when, but when you live in a part of the country, especially that has like winter, like real Real cold winter, not anymore, baby. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yay. (laughs) Um, But it's nice to be able to drink something that can like really transport you to like, yeah, you know, like the the sensory stuff, like Mm -hmm. being able to surround yourself by tastes and smells and and sounds or whatever. Yeah, of areas that remind you of warmer climates. I feel like help people who aren't big fans of winter get through. Oh, for sure. And I think, too, specifically with tiki is the drinks are simple to make, but they have a lot of ingredients often Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of steps, especially if you're going all out and you're putting like the garnish on there and everything. So it feels special. Like it feels like it's not a thing you're going to make every single night. You know, you're not going to take the time to put all that together um, every night and make that. So when you do make it, it's special. Um, It's just kind of like when I make a dry martini, I feel very fancy. Um, mm, even though yeah. I've had it like a ton of time, but you know, you put it in your fancy chilled martini glass and you're like all James Bond and shit. It's great. Mm. Um, so that's great. Mixology can transport us, but we just have to be cognizant of where those influences come from. Um, totally. Yeah. And find sure. a way to pay respect. That's, I feel like that's something that we are reckoning with now as, um, the three of us being white Americans, like how do we, how do we acknowledge all of the other things that came before um, and that were appropriated or stolen or destroyed or murdered or like, like there is, there is like a long bloody history that has gotten us to today. Yeah. And, and how do we acknowledge that and honor that and pay respect to that and make amends with that mm-hmm. while still figuring out the right way forward? Um, yeah. So I think that's like, it's like um that tiki drinks are like a microcosm of that big big issue Mm -hmm. for sure yeah so amy what do you got for us tonight i hear it's a lot so much (laughs) so i'm going to uh start us off in the 1700s and 1770s um to talk a little bit about james cook because he set in motion some really fucked up shit um, so do you guys know who James Cook is, first of all? Nope. Okay. B- vaguely. Okay. He was uh, an explorer. Um, he 
the uh, drunk history actually did an episode on him in his um death um but so yeah that's why i know because yeah 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 yeah. yeah. so um so james cook he had traveled to the islands um that make up what we modern day consider the state of hawaii um and he had traveled there many times before he had done well three trips um and on his final trip um, he was exploring for the British Empire every single time. On his final trip, his ship got damaged. So the mast was damaged. And he made landfall with his crew on um, one of the islands to make repairs to his boat. So James Cook and his crew, the first time they had come to the islands around Hawaii, they had um, arrived. There's like different um, like religious seasons almost with uh, the indigenous culture on Hawaii. So there was like... Um, like almost like a love and fertility season and then like a war season and like there were holidays that like spoke to these specific ideas and the specific uh gods that that were about these ideas um so there'd be different kinds of festivals and stuff so the first time they show up there's like like a feast and food and alcohol and women and everybody's having a good time yeah and then yeah and then the second time they show up and the third time they show up it's during the season of war so um everyone's a little bit on edge and every all the sources i read were obviously written by like white folks because they like point to that as being something that was like vital to this happening but i also think it was just like james cook like being a d-bag like his actions (laughs) he he totally (laughs) looks like a guy that would like call the cops on his black neighbor yes because he doesn't think he lives there or something you know what i mean just in a powdered wig just like that but in a powdered wig yeah like so he like... totally is <laughs> you know the yeah. next door uh-huh. there's just smoking some weed and he's like i'm mm-hmm. gonna call the cops and ruin their lives That's yeah yep. exactly he just looks wild. like a normal white dude while yeah. lines off of a prostitute like <laughs> yeah i mean look at these yeah. buttons what's going on so you <laughs> set the pose for these pictures <laughs> and you've got buttons undone is that a thing yeah that's that's he's a dirty his bird gut, his gut's big it's pushing but, against the buttons. I guess. All right. Anyways, yeah. he's this, a slob. He's definitely calling the fuzz. <laughs> so on the third time, like I said, his, his ship gets uh, damaged. He mm-hmm. makes landfall to repair it. And like reading through the different accounts of the time is kind of funny because like the British uh, maritime officers are like, oh, it was like because the Hawaiians were celebrating the season of war that they were like really like frustrated with us and mad with us. But there was happened to be an American aboard James Cook's show, ship, not show, ship. So he wasn't loyal to the crown. And he wrote like a really uh, um, great account of everything that happened. And it wasn't it didn't like color the British in a positive light, because at this point, <laughs> like the Americans fucking hate the British anyways. It's like the late it's like after the Declaration of Independence, um, just after it. So um he kind of spills the tea in his uh journal in his diary there so he's like running dear diary like we are fucking shit up and like we are being horrible to these people that's like um what was it was it columbus's first mate who was it columbus had someone that was like worked really closely with him that basically that's how we know that like columbus was, was implicit in all this stuff because he kept logs very detailed logs of their expedition and was like, Hey, they just cut off some slaves arms. Like, 
cool. Yeah. We, we just, you know, sold 10 girls into sex slavery or whatever. Like he cataloged all that stuff, which is the main reason why we know so what much of it happened. happened. Yeah. The really horrific stuff that no one else yeah. cataloged. He did. So it's kind of like that. I feel I wish I could yeah. remember. His name. I'm bad at history. That's or, fine. Or remembering things in general. That's fine. <laughs> So this American, he's like, he's writing down everything that happens. According to sources, like both sides stole shit from each other. But I really think it was like James Cook's crew, like fucking shit up. So like Cook uh, took lumber from a spiritually significant site in order to repair the ship. And this is according to the American. Of course he did. So then the Hawaiians were like, hey, don't do that. And he didn't like that. And then they... um, the James Cook's crew accused the Hawaiians of stealing like one of the little boats on their ship. And then, which is weird because the Hawaiians a- accused James Cook's crew of stealing a longboat of theirs. Um, and then what ha- ends up happening is that James Cook kidnaps the fucking like chief of Hawaii. So when I say Hawaii, I don't mean all of the islands together, like what we could think of as modern, like the, the state of Hawaii. I mean the big island. Yeah. Like the so at this point in time the islands weren't unified. They didn't have a singular government. So each island had its own chief. So the chief of Hawaii, um, I'm gonna say his name and I as I told the ladies with me before we started recording, I watched like youtube videos on how to pronounce all these people's names but i've had a lot of gin so (laughs) i i i call into question your ability to pronounce them even if you haven't been drinking a lot of gin so yeah Ah, that's not it is it is she's she's better at pronouncing shit than me but still yeah um i mean growing up in like white new hampshire with like 99 percent white people you just you don't get exposed to other culture's names but anyways so this chief's name was kalani opapu and his he gets captured by james cook and he and his like the article is reading called it his manservant but i don't really like that's like such a european term i'm sure that there's like a better term it was like his right hand dude and no not him not yet um i don't think i don't have any images of this person because this is he predates like oil paintings in western clothing oh for, okay. For okay. 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 okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um so he gets kidnapped along with like his his assistant or servant or whatever and um he seizes an opportunity of cook getting distracted and he hits him over the head and then his manservant stabs the shit out of cook so that's how captain james cook dies <laughs> Explorer. couldn't have happened to a nicer dude right Seriously. Uh, but this is really, really, really important because it does a couple things. So one, James Cook's crew, like well, yeah, now they're on. Oh, okay. I thought the crew was just gonna like kill both of them. No. So not only does um does Kalian up Apuhu, I said his fucking name wrong. <laughs> Kalani Opuu's death, uh, or Kalani Opuu when he kills James Cook, he takes his body, like because they're in like a rowboat going to the big ship, the big mm-hmm. like mass ship. So they like row back, they take his body and then boil it down and they distribute the oil from him to all of the chiefs of all the different islands. And then he keeps the hair for himself. And then the crew is like, we need the body. Please just give us the body. And they send him bones. Um, Oh, yeah. Got him. So it sends it sends like a very a clear message. That's message. Awful though. That's like that's horrific. 
I mean, he was already dead. You didn't feel it. Like, <laughs> no, but just the act of doing it is gross. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's like dismembering a body. It's fair. And it's, it's even more. I mean, like, what? So the oils from his. So what are they? It's like when you boil like mm. meat and all mm. the scum comes to the top mm. and then mm -hmm. you collect that. And is that mm -hmm. the oils or is yep. that just the fat? I don't well, understand. I need to know more. I, no, we don't. I know. didn't. I didn't dig deep into this part because it grossed me out a little bit. Why but... not? <laughs> so he show so... finally gets interesting, and you don't have to cover it. <laughs> it's only been a year. Oh my God. <laughs> we finally made our true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah. No. I need to okay. know more. So right. he so he gives it to all the chiefs in the neighboring islands, and it like gives him cred, and then he actually is able uh, to take control of all of the other islands too. So this unifies all of the islands surrounding the big island of Hawaii. Oh, shoot. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And then the other part where it's important too is that the crew members from Cook's ship were like, fuck these guys. They're it's wild. Like, like cartoon, this is too much. Cartoon ship leaving. Like, yes. You <laughs> <laughs> just see yeah. the dots across the ocean back to britain or whatever here yeah. here there be dragons yeah. Yeah. yeah so they bring back stories of like this not just like cook getting shanked but like what happened to him his body and like ha the struggle to just get his fucking bones so like it sets the stage one for other europeans to travel to this area but to like proceed with caution so when we talked about haiti and the sugarcane episode for instance mm -hmm. um there were like you know uh scuffles and stuff and there's some like fighting and there were there are multiple areas too where multiple chiefs and multiple kind of like uh, powers that be and they this unified them too but they didn't set the same kind of tone <laughs> with the british people coming um so this this guy set like a very specific message <laughs> like, um i would yeah. say so yeah he definitely got his point across so he um he baller. yeah he was the, <laughs> the original of the uh kamihimaha dynasty um and that is the dynasty that rules all of the islands surrounding hawaii until um the very tragic thing happens which we'll talk about are a little bit this episode at the end of this episode and then mostly next episode too so um what happens is we have this dynasty in place now right and it's the late 1700s hawaiians have this reputation with europeans um but they also know that they like they need to survive what's happening so they they kind of anticipate the return of europeans and sure enough the british folks come back um, so Kami Hamaha uh, starts. You gotta come up with like nicknames for these. People. I know Kami. I'm gonna call him Kami. Um, he okay. starts to he takes control. He's the son of the the first dude, and he starts to export sugar because he knows that the British are interested in sugar. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be proactive. I'm gonna set up my own sugar trade. And it completely changes Hawaii's economy and political system. So instead of allowing the British to come and take them over, not that other countries allowed the British allowed to come it. and take them I know, that's a horrible fucking word choice. But, like, he makes, he decides to take a very diplomatic approach. So his predecessor took a very <laughs> undiplomatic approach. <laughs> and I think it made all the British, like, kind of hesitate to be like, oh, fuck, these dudes are serious, right? He is like, you know what? 
we're going to we're going to play by their rules. We're going to start our own sugar trade. We're going to create our own industry and our own business. Um, and then so three generations later, um, we have Kami the third, Kamihamaha, and he uh, the third, and he takes the throne. And by this point, and that's the first picture you pulled up, Melissa, the Hawaiian royal family has fully adopted white dress and customs within just three generations of James Cook landing on their island. Ugh. Yeah. So, but it's a survival technique, right? They're sure, like, okay, this sure. is how we get taken seriously, right? Like, this is how we can make money. This is how we can trade. This is how we can get other resources and make sure we keep our people safe. This too. man has some baller eyebrows. Oh, yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Look at these. And he's the got great arch, facial hair. Yeah. The arch on this one. Dang, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How I get them eyebrows? Yeah, no, he's very. I, I like that this this painting uh, has like a soft Instagram filter on it. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Focus, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yep. Yep. For sure, there is definitely a, a nice uh, filter to the background area. Yeah. He cute. He is. So he enables the Hawaiians to combat the European perception of them as savages, which is set by one of his ancestors. Um, and that they can govern themselves and that they can work alongside European uh, business people, too. So they allow foreigners to come in and buy land and build plantations on the islands so that they can control that, so that they can remain in political power. So it doesn't invite, not that anyone's ever inviting the fucking British to their soil, mm-hmm. but so that it doesn't invite um the british to come and you know try and take them over like they did in haiti for instance so it's kind of funny because we have this idea now um well we don't have this idea but people in our country have this idea that corporations are people Mm -hmm. um and at this time in you know the early 1800s at this point there are all these white american plantation owners coming to the islands and they want, they see what's happening in other sugar plantations, like what's happening in Haiti or in southern United States. And they think, hey, we should have more power. Like, we should have the ability, even though we're not citizens of the nation of Hawaii, right. we we're should white. We should be yeah. able to make all the rules. Yeah, we're, we're doing all this great work. We're building this infrastructure in their island. They just don't appreciate us. So they start advocating for an outsized voice in government due to the amount of, quote, taxes that they pay and money that they contribute to the Hawaiian government. And at the same time, too, there's all these fucking Christian missionaries just descending on the islands, too. And most of them coming from New England. So, (laughs) this is laughing at me. Because you're so laid back, and then you just... (laughs) And then you just got these fucking... Christian missionaries from New England. It's the truth. <laughs> the truth. You're just so fucking over it. You're like, I just don't even. Every fucking story I yeah. got fucking mm-hmm. yeah. talk about these assholes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. And, and because you can lean back, you can look even more exasperated. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm in, a, I'm in a wing back chair, so I could just be like, uh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting up, looking studious, with a book in my hand and a pipe in my mouth by a fireplace, like telling you all a story. I'm just like drunk, and like <laughs> half hanging over the armrest. 
<laughs> All right. So the fucking douchebag, dude bro, yep. New England clam chowder, Christian missionaries show up. Yep. And they're the word of God. Yep. And they're further can, like trying to compel the people of the nation of Hawaii to dress like like white Americans. So mm-hmm. like, you know, throw off your traditional, your your cultural heritage, your traditional garments, your traditional religious practices. They form schools, they buy up land, and they like settle in like for the long term. So the missionaries are building schools that are educating. They're free schools, right? That they're educating oh, yeah. free. the youth mm-hmm. of Hawaii. And then, um, so there. And then at the same time, there's all these corporations Didn't coming in too and buying up land. Didn't the United States do that with, um, like children of slaves? They had special schools to send all the like black children that basically like taught them white. American master is good and caring and well and like how it might have been after slavery was abolished but like they would go to these special schools that essentially were just like here's how to be white Mm -hmm. instead of actually who they were and that was like the purpose of the school yeah there's a whole conversation about reconstruction America I need to figure out how to tie it in food but Okay, <laughs> it's really great because there are this. Wait, you know how like food podcasts? Yeah, what? we're food podcasts. But you know how they're like during the civil rights movement, you have these two ideologically opposed <clears throat> like people of Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X of like how to be quote unquote like the right kind of black person. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. like like Were the they... same fucking argument was happening during Reconstruction era of like how to be the right kind of black person. So. Right. Yeah, um, I just like I said, I just don't know how to tie that into food. So but, we'll so get there. Are these schools kind of similar, or are they just teaching Christianity? They're teaching Christianity. They're t- and they're teaching white American culture too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like the the kids who go to these schools, like they're getting baptized, um, mm-hmm. but they're also learning about um, like things that. And I don't even like not even necessarily like American history, but they're learning about things that like would make for like the girls are learning like traditional skills for like what would be good for like a white American wife, right? Like they're learning sewing and embroidery. We're like not traditionally translate to their actual life experience at home. Right, 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 right. So it's not even necessarily like this is what makes America wonderful. It's that it's like so subversive. Like it's like. All of the little things that we don't think of that differentiate our culture from theirs. Like that's the stuff that they're learning and being indoctrinated with. Right. Because they're just trying to crush all of that. Right. Exactly. So what happens in a response to this is that the Hawaiian monarchy uh, starts this process called the Great Mahili. And it's not a single event. It's like a, a whole process. It starts in 1839. So it includes the drafting of a Bill of Rights, of a constitution. There's the creation of a legislative branch, like a, a Congress that can enact laws. Um, and the interesting thing is that this is a monarchy, but it becomes a constitutional monarchy, too. So at the death of every monarch, the Congress actually has the ability to vote in the next monarch. So it could be... Hmm. Yeah, it could be the direct heir of whoever was the last monarch, or it could be like a cousin. It's whoever's like, there's like an eligible pool of people. And the first monarch is allowed to pick who is in that eligible pool of people. And then the Congress has to pick from that pool of people who to rule. 
and then Congress is elected by the people. So it's like this really weird, like I've never heard of a form of government quite like that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. It's really like a, a hybrid kind of. Yeah. Like it's a republic because the people are electing officials who then make decisions on their behalf. But there's still like a finite pool of people to choose from to be the like the head of the country, yeah. the leader of yeah. the country. The cool thing is, though, is that there seems to be no like like preference for men over women and this is the first encounter of like a monarchy that i've seen but a lot of polynesian cultures too are um are very like female focused and um like women can be chiefs in them so it's not super surprising it's just the first monarchy that i've researched about that does that which mm-hmm. is kind of cool so at this point we have uh, king kamihamaha and he knows he needs to compete like on the world stage so he hires some white advisors to help him understand white american and white european culture so that he can uh, endeavor to trade with them and to have treaties with them and to make sure that hawaii stays an independent nation um so he hires first as his advisor this dude named garrett judd he's from massachusetts of course um, he is. With of a name Garrett, Judd. Garrett Judd. Garrett oh Judd. God. Yeah, it's uh. a very specific kind of name. Um, but yeah. he, so he comes to Hawaii. He's comes as a missionary, as most of the white people do. Or either, if you're white and in Hawaii, you're either a missionary or a businessman at this point. And he renounces his U.S. citizenship in order to serve the king of Hawaii. And he proposes a bunch of new trade deals. And he starts negotiating tariffs with the United States. And the U.S. is applying a ton of pressure at this time. They're imposing higher and higher tariffs and restrictions on exports. And the main thing that Hawaii is exporting at this time is sugarcane. So like I mentioned a little while ago, like the Hawaiian king was like, you know what? Sugar is something that can make us money. It's something that can make us be taken seriously on the world stage. We're going to invest the money in growing it. And we're going to invest the money in exporting it. So the U.S., because they can get sugarcane from southern plantations in the United States, and then the British have um, countries like Haiti that they're fighting with the French over, right? So they're, they're imposing tariffs on any territories that aren't their own or countries that don't uh, have allegiance to them to import sugarcane to them. So even though the Hawaiian king has this great idea, the high tariffs coming from the United States is making it really hard to export it and make a profit. So he's negotiating with these white business owners and he's negotiating with the United States government and he's hiring these white advisors who some of which have renounced their U.S. citizenship so that they can serve in the Hawaiian government. But he's surrounding himself by people who like know this world so that he can hopefully navigate this world a little bit better. And what happens is in 1843, the British show up again and they're like, you know what? Some of the business owners we've sent over to build plantations for sugarcane are saying that you didn't give them a fair deal on land, are saying that you're withholding land, that you're not being fair. So we're going to sue you. <laughs> yeah. So the Hawaiian oh, king is the like. Balls on everyone. I know. The Hawaiian <laughs> king's like, cool. It has to go through like our court system. Like in the courts, we'll figure it out. And the dude who shows up, his name's Lord George Pollitt. And he's the one that arrives to discuss the pending lawsuit. And the lawsuit's issued by this other guy named Richard Charlton. Um, and it's all about land rights. 
And the king happens to be not on the main island of Hawaii, but he's on another smaller island doing some business there. So he sends Garrett Judd, his white advisor, um, to go speak with Pollitt. And Pollitt's like super fucking insulted. He's like, no, I requested audience with the king. You're going to send me the king. I'm going to talk to the king. And if I don't talk to the king, I'm going to throw a big fucking temper tantrum because I am essentially a five-year-old in a 35-year-old body. audience from the king, like, don't you go to the king? Yeah, that would make like, sense. Like, the king come to you? What? And the, the, you are? the king was like, I'm on a different island. Like, he sent, yeah. like, a letter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can be there in six weeks, but I'm, like, in the middle of something. <laughs> and Paul was like, that's a lot going on right now. <laughs> like, so. what you, I don't really know if you understand. Yeah. So, Lord George Pollock throws a fucking temper tantrum, and he decides that he's been insulted, and he's gonna just uh, just seize the islands, <laughs> um, in protest. So he uh, he and British troops end up occupying the islands, uh, the main island of Hawaii, for five months. So, like I said, uh, King Kamehameha the third, he wasn't on Hawaii at this time; he was on one of the smaller islands. So he escapes and he travels to Boston. And this is one of those things where like he's trying to do what's right by his country and survive. So he goes and he talks to the United States government and he's like, shit, like, I don't know what to do. The British are occupying us. And the U.S. is like, we got this. And they send a bunch of fucking warships and it scares the shit out of the British. Yeah. And the British leave. But then the warships are there and the U.S. is like, hey, we did for you. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So at this point, when the Americans show up, they're like, fuck, this would be a great place to just like put some roots down. Yeah. It would be a great tactical place. Drink and, you know, lay out on the beach. It's beautiful. Yeah. So most of the landowners in um, the country of Hawaii at this point um, are, other than the royal family itself, are white plantation owners growing sugarcane. So they are U.S. citizens. They are writing to their U.S. senators. They are making donations to their U.S. senators. And they have the ear of the United States government. And the U.S. government is saying, okay, we just came down. We helped you scare the British away, right? Um, A lot of our citizens happen to be here making some money, but they could be making some more. Maybe you could give us an island? Maybe, and we could like build a little military base there. Tiny island, you won't even miss it. Yeah, so there's a specific island in Pearl Harbor, and it's called Maku Umi Umi. And they decide that that would be like the most tactically advantageous island for them to have because they could keep an eye, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that they could keep an eye on the western seaboard of the United States. It's like it's so fucking far away. Yeah, like, what? A boat just has to go around your your view. Like, <laughs> there's so much ocean there that a boat could go through. It won't help you keep America safe. Maybe in 2020 would help you me- keep America safe. But in 1850, right. it won't help keep America safe. Yeah, but in 2020, we have fucking satellites. Right. Like- that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, do, I just don't understand it. So this specific little island was, like, really culturally significant. It was used for fertility rites and rituals. And um, the Hawaiians are like, eh, like we're, this is important to us. Like, no, like, we don't think it's a good idea. 
So what happens is it's like everything that all the white folks that are like immigrating to Hawaii as missionaries and business owners and everything. I don't know if they like got the same newsletter or something. <laughs> like, if they're like consciously coordinated. It was, it was an uh, imperialist quarterly. Yeah. They got it from one of those like magazine things when the little girl comes around and sells you oh, a bunch yeah, of magazines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She can go Definitely. on a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that must be it. Because the, <laughs> the Christian missionaries who are coming to Hawaii are saying, you know what? That's actually sacrilegious. That goes against God. Like having an island dedicated to fertility is weird. Like you should just worship Jesus. Go to our free schools. You'll learn all about him. Um, and by like the 1850s, like people kind of stop using the island for this like really culturally significant ritual. Um, and then what happens is King Kamehamehama dies and someone else takes his place so like i said he's there at this point we have the the constitution so it's a constitutional monarchy so the um congress elects the next person and they elect this dude named unalilu and there's a picture of him he looks like a sheriff because he's got a big fucking like star on his jacket lapel yeah that guy oh yeah Mm. he's got a great beard the facial hair is just Mm. this beard's like greg's i mean <laughs> greg's is fuller now but like it's not like when it first started growing scraggly yeah 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 he's got a good head of hair though he does i like he's got a very I distinguished think, look. i think he's hiding a lot up there but whatever <laughs> so he's called the people's king because every like most of the citizens of hawaii really like him uh-huh. and he looks to try and expand the sugar industry in hawaii so his his idea is like okay this is where we're making all of our money this is what's making all of the americans and europeans take us seriously let's get real with this shit so he starts to engage with the u.s and talks around purchasing that island um which is now known as ford island for anyone who wants to know um and he like is adamant that like okay if we can just negotiate this thing where like the u.s lower the tariffs on sugar then we can give them this island and they'll be happy and we'll be happy and we'll be able to make sure that our country stays secure and his wife was very opinionated about this and she adamantly disagreed with him and disagreed with him publicly about this and i don't know if it's because of that disagreement or because of the stress of being a monarch or whatever but like within a year he ended up drinking himself to death and dying oh no (laughs) it does real quick so are we sure he wasn't poisoned yeah mm, that's true is this like the been. boar incident in game of thrones except he was sick and his doctor was like yo bro stop, drinking. stop drinking and he's <laughs> like okay and then he got really stressed out and was like i'm gonna keep drinking and then just oh, kept drinking no. yeah that's sad so that is sad oh you're drinking drink. i'm like oh, sorry <laughs> my drink's gone yeah mine's almost gone so the next king is elected and he signs this thing called the reciprocity treaty and essentially it allows the u.s to use what is now ford island but not own it he's like very specific about that he's like you can use it but you can't own it in exchange for having reduced tariffs on sugar imports so that's exactly what the last king really wanted and it inc- it caused sugar plantations on the islands to get bigger in hawaii so it expands plantations from just 12,000 acres across all the islands to 125,000 acres across Holy all shit. the islands. Yeah, it's like, it's huge. And this is by 1891. So in 1891, the interests of the white 
plantation farmers were great. Like they were like, they really wanted, they thought that they deserved a lot more power and authority in the government, but Hawaii had done a really good job of, of maintaining its own cultural identity mm-hmm. and its own authority over its own people and islands. And in 1887, this dude who was hired as the minister of the interior, remember how earlier I said, like, the Hawaiian monarchy was hiring a bunch of white bros because Mm -hmm. they, like, understood Americans, right? So this white minister of the interior, his name is Lauren Thurston, he leads a rebellion against the very king that he serves, Mm -hmm. and he forces him... To sign something that later is known as the Bayonet Constitution. So, Lauren Thurston, he's the Minister of the Interior. He rebels against the own king that he's serving. He uh, signs up with this dude, whose last name may sound familiar. Sanford Ballard Doyle. Or Dole. I said Doyle. I was going to say, I'm like... (laughs) That was not the reveal I was hoping for. Do you mean... (laughs) Do you mean Dole? (laughs) Yes, I'm going to go out on a limb <laughs> and think you might mean double. I got really excited. <laughs> she was like, like working well, up to that for an hour and 15 minutes. Sucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Virgo is so screaming. Dull. Do over. <laughs> yeah. So yeah no, 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 no. Go hold it. Go hold on. Hold on. Tell us again. Tell us again. No, because I will fuck it up again and then laugh so hard that I won't be able to talk. We're just going to go with it. Acknowledge that I fucked it up. It'll be fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. So it's called the bayonet constitution because they literally made the king sign it at the end of a bayonet. It's not a very poetic name. Yeah, not Um, subtle. Yeah, not subtle at all. And this is to overthrow uh, King Kalakuana in 1887. So Dole drafts the constitution lauren thurston forces him to sign at the end of a bayonet and essentially what it does is it strips the king of most of his powers it disenfranchises the native ethnic groups by putting land ownership requirements on being able to vote and then it requires yeah it requires a bunch of other voting rules too about annual income and stuff like that so it, it essentially makes it really tough for native hawaiians to vote in their own elections nice but it does grant voting rights to americans hmm. funny how that works who so did not have- renounce their u.s citizenship who remain you know u.s citizens you know what in the united states fucking felons can't even vote look at this fucking bullshit going on in a country that they don't belong that they're not citizens of because they're still u.s citizens and they're just like we can vote now we don't even let our own people vote for yeah, not all of our own people vote. Anyways, we don't even let Britney Spears vote. Hashtag free uh, Britney. Free Britney. <laughs> Hello, Britney Spears. Yeah. Anyways. It also this also grants Americans the ability to run for office, political office mm-hmm. in Hawaii without mm-hmm. renouncing their US citizenship. I hate which- every minute of this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Drunk Dish. Oh you like every minute of yeah. this. <laughs> Let's put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, that would be a good t-shirt. Yeah. I hate mm-hmm. every minute of this. Maybe that's the name of the episode. Oh, let me write it down. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Continue. What's happening? We got fucking white ass people who yep. don't belong there being able to vote and run for office and all that bullshit. 
Exactly. So this is with King Kalikua in office. And King Kalikua has a sister. I'm going to fucking butcher her name. I'm so sorry. Don't haunt me, the ghost of his sister. Um, <laughs> her name is Lili Okualani. Um, and Lydia what happened? Or li oh, Lily. That's Lily. Fraud. Yeah, Lily Okualani. Um, so. A bad bitch. Yeah, she looks like a bad bitch. So what happens is 1887, there's the rebellion, there's the bayonet constitution, and then one fucking year later, there's the Wilcox rebellion. So Wilcox is the name of this dude who was native to Hawaii and left and ends up learning how to fight in the Italian military and then comes back when he finds out that his country's getting fucked over and tries to lead a rebellion. And he wants to put the sister, Lily Akualani, in charge and um, get rid of the king. And she's like, no, I don't, I, no, no, I don't want this. No, I don't want to just be a figurehead for white people. Like, I'm good. I'll pass. Thanks. Bye. Um, so the rebellion fails because they don't have another monarch to replace the king. Mm -hmm. um, and then the king dies just two years later anyways. And then. But was he poisoned? I don't know. He was really <laughs> sick. He dies okay. young. The, the world really is like really poisoned. tragic yeah he dies mm -hmm. really young they travel to san francisco to meet with doctors and he like dies immediately upon arrival um but he's so the congress votes and they put the sister in charge lily Okwalani. even though so, she doesn't want to be in charge even well now well, at now least he's dead so right okay. and She's that's like that's him. awkward like how are you gonna celebrate thanksgiving with your family <laughs> if you're like hey brother took your job uh, so you remember that time like <laughs> and you know hard feelings right we're cool also i mean i i'm going out on a limb and saying they probably don't celebrate thanksgiving yeah probably not <laughs> probably not it was a it was a whitewashing of of non-white history sorry um but yeah <laughs> anyway. so she becomes she becomes queen I mean, and she kind of looks like she's over it yeah, so she's this fucking amazing woman. Like, I want to yeah, see no, a movie she, about her. Yeah, like she. So, like, when the when the um, bayonet constitution bullshit happens, she is at Queen Victoria's court in England, like whining and dining bitches, and just like building like friendships with foreign nations. Like, she's acting as an ambassador. She's like an incredibly intelligent, amazing woman. So, I understand why Wilcox wanted her to be in charge of the country but she was also like reading the room and being like this is not gonna work out buddy just like wait a little bit so she becomes the queen um and sugar is still like the ruling thing for this country right it's it's what 90 percent of their economy is based off of so when her brother dies and she becomes she comes to power her first act is trying to rewrite the constitution she's like that bayonet constitution is bullshit it stripped us all of our powers it stripped our citizens of their land and their ability to vote like this is this is fucked up yeah. so she and she was really popular with the people too so not only did wilcox want her to be queen but most of the people wanted her to be queen too she was very dedicated to the people she did a bunch of like she, like, formed a school for, like, orphaned girls, and she donated a bunch of land for it and a bunch of money for it. And she also, um, like I said, she traveled the world. She, like, rubbed elbows with Queen Victoria. She was very learned. She, like, understood political discourse and understood 
like how to interact with other foreign sovereigns and which is i feel like would be difficult for anybody but especially difficult for a country that like they're like it's not like france where you can literally like pop over to england in a month or whatever right yeah yeah, yeah. you're so far geographically removed from these places to get like a real understanding of their culture and their customs and how how to engage with them on a global stage just that sounds so daunting to me yeah so and she's very dedicated to her people too so what she does is she rides on horseback to everyone on the big island and knocks on doors and then she goes to the next island and rides on horseback and talks to everybody and she's like hey i want to repeal the bayonet constitution i want to put in a new constitution that'll enforce more voting rights for you guys it'll give me a little bit more authority so that way we don't have white foreigners in control of our country do you support me and everyone's like yeah of course we fucking support you go for it we love you she tries to do it and her council is like, no, don't do it. And her friends are like, no, don't do it. It's not safe. It's not safe. Don't do it. And the moment that she does it and she tries to restore power to the people of Hawaii, she gets arrested. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So even though the citizens of Hawaii overwhelmingly support her, when the council catches wind of what she's trying to do, they get very, very angry and remember lauren thurston from earlier he's the dude responsible for the bayonet constitution just a few years ago Mm -hmm. so he has more power than ever and he moves to depose her so he writes a petition to annex hawaii to the u.s and annexing means that like essentially they are still a sovereign nation but they rely on the u.s for protection so like you have to answer to the u.s everything you have to do has to go through like the seal of approval for the u.s too and he uh, creates this thing called the Committee for Safety. And it's made up mostly for sugarcane plantation owners. Mm-hmm. And they all plot together to completely overthrow the queen. And in response, the lo- royalists and loyalists form the Committee of Law and Order, which this all sounds like so, like, by the fucking book. No, like, this yeah. forming like committees. Harry Potter bullshit where there's, mm-hmm. like, a fucking right. committee for everything. It's like just Where's like the Ministry of Magic. Yeah. So they throw their support behind the queen. And then by January 16th, 1893, um, there is a coup that forms. And it's formed by the dude that the queen had appointed to be marshal of the kingdom, Charles Burnett Wilson, another fucking white bro. <laughs> so he betrays her and he, sure, yeah. or actually, excuse me, he does not betray her. Ooh, Wrong white dude. Wrong it's, white I mean, dude. it's really easy to get them mixed I'm, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm they so all... happy I mixed up the white dudes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many names in this All in the this white research. dudes are the same. It's they fine. Are, I mean, they've all got that 1800s, like, beard shit going on. Um, <laughs> so... He so Charles Burnett Wilson, he's the Marshal of the Kingdom, and he is informed of a coup. He doesn't cause the coup. Excuse me, I misread my notes. And Sorry, he goes, Charles. The, yeah, he goes to the Queen and he's like, Hey, can I arrest them? And she's like, Ooh, like I don't want them to like fuck shit up, but at the same time, they're all tied to the US government. And if I arrest them and we're not like 110% certain, like the US government will fuck me up. So, like, wait a second. And Lauren Thurston, like I said, he was the original guy who was in charge of the bayonet um, constitution. 
And uh, Sanford Ballard Dole, right? He was the lawyer. Fun fact, he didn't ever go to law school. I don't know if I already said that. I can't cool. remember. Cool. Like, you could become a lawyer and never set foot in a fucking school. You could become a doctor. And yeah. <laughs> you're just like, I'm a doctor now. I completed yeah. five hours of training. Yeah, he, like, went to college for a year and started calling himself a fucking lawyer and practicing law. And he wrote the goddamn constitution of a fucking foreign country. <laughs> Crazy. So Sanford Ballard... Yeah, he so Sanford Ballard Dole and Lauren Thurston, they're old buddies from the days of the bayonet revolution or the bayonet constitution, right? And then they're joined by John Levitt Stevens, who's the U.S. minister to the kingdom of Hawaii. So actual involvement from our fucking federal government. And they decide to overthrow the queen. So Dole, technically, he's like, dudes, I'm not part of this, but I will draft your articles of declaration for you. Um, so he doesn't actually like join the committee for safety, but he informs everything they do from a legal standpoint. Um, so just as a quick recap, these dudes are all descended from missionaries who mm -hmm. went to Hawaii. They stayed to make money and fuck shit up. And then they wheedled their way in every part of the fucking government. And after nearly a century of slowly taking power away from the Hawaiian monarchy to protect quote, American business interests, they succeed and they overthrow the queen. So the Committee of Law and Order, the one that's pro-queen, they, they form a force of 500 men to protect Queen uh, Lili Akulani. But the Hawaiians had given over Ford Island in Pearl Harbor to the Americans as a military base in exchange for lessening the tariffs on sugar exportation so all that the committee of safety had to do was, I was going to say pick up the phone, but there were no fucking phones at this time. <laughs> send <laughs> Write a, a letter. Send a telegram. Carry a pigeon. I don't know what the fuck they Just did. send a text message. Yeah. God, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yep. And uh, American army ships were there in no time with Marines creating a commanding presence surrounding the islands. So all of the queen's supporters were like, shit, like, this is hot water. And the queen herself was like, okay, I need to, like, give up the ghost in order to protect my people, in order to protect the, the, the people who are loyalists to me, because they'll get arrest arrested and executed. So on January 17th, 1893, she is forced from the throne, and Sanford B. Dole is appointed as temporary leader until a treaty of annexation can take effect and i wonder this, how we're oh. gonna get to pineapple <laughs> <laughs> how are we gonna get to pineapple that should be like a a code phrase or something for us yeah <laughs> <laughs> but how do pineapple how do pineapple that's not yeah. this episode it's not but this paves the way for it this paves the way for all of that so because this dole is not he is related to the dole of dole pineapples but he is not the dole who creates oh, the pineapple. oh what a twist yeah what yeah a twist. <laughs> so this all lays the groundwork how like the sugar plantation just completely fucks up hawaii's economy they, they see it as a way to like to participate on that global stage but you know, like white people just fucking suck and can't like, be trusted historically. Yeah, just try and take shit that's yeah. not theirs. Yep. They just try and take shit that's not theirs. So I'm nervous. Like the queen is alive, she's not yeah. dead, but yeah. she's been forced from her throne. I don't know what's going to happen to her. I do know what's going to happen. I've researched <laughs> what's going to happen. I can't to her lie, next. guys. I know what's going to happen. 
but I'm still nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Greg and I have been rewatching Australian Bake Off and we still get nervous even though we know who's going to win. Right. I understand that. I understand. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's all I got for for this episode, and then next awesome. episode we're gonna talk about pineapples, yeah, which nice. I cannot spell. Can't spell pineapples. <laughs> what? Okay, I have really struggle with it. I feel like fun facts, guys. She, she has something. really struggle with it. Give her a break. She has really struggle. She has really struggle. Okay. <laughs> Can you see that I'm just pressing the glass to my forehead because it's yeah. cold? <laughs> oh I mean, it's God, fucking hot, man. Snorted. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, awesome. So we're going to have a part two. Um, most likely it'll come out the week after this one, which is pretty cool. So we'll have an extra episode for you guys. Um, uh, but until then, I mean, that's all we got. So mm-hmm. we got. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening.